Today's big question. When do you leap? Leap of faith. It's easy to talk about, but it's a lot harder to do. Today is a very special episode because it's our last one, at least for a while. I know. I'm also sad about it. I want to tell you why. But to do that, I have to tell you about the times that I've taken my own leaps of faith. And maybe my story will help you when you need to take yours. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm here to give you the compassionate and conservative argument to America's most debated questions. I am once again in the Shamrock Media studio powered by Shamrock Media Solutions with our producer, Chacha. Hey! Hey, and as I said, this is our final episode for a little while, Hmm. which is, as the kids say, big sad. I was about to say big sad, and I didn't even know if you were going to say And I really want to tell you why. And as I said in the intro, that's the reason that I made this episode about leaps of faith. Chan knows this, but there is a lot of change that's going on in my life right now. And it's totally God because I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't planning for it and I wasn't expecting it. And it's just kind of happening to me and I'm just trying to keep up with it. And if I could pick one single word for this time in my life, that word would be leap. And I realized when I was starting to plan this episode and figure out how I was going to say see you all later, at least for a little while, I realized I haven't really told you much about me or why I started the show in the first place, which I did on purpose. I didn't really think it mattered. I wanted to tell you about the content of the things. And then maybe if you fell in love with me, you'd like to know about me later. So hopefully you're in love with me because I'd like to tell you a little bit about me. And I'd like to touch on a few points that I think are really relevant to the bit of the story that I want to share with you about leaps of faith. For starters, I unequivocally feel that I live in God's debt. That's important to know about me to make sense of my choices. I believe that my life is not my own. Okay, so here's a bit of my story. In college, and Cha, feel free to chime in because, in fact, Cha was a character (laughs) in many of the events of this story. Oh, yes. (laughs) So feel free if I'm missing something or you want to add something. Because also what you'll find out is my story interweaves with Cha's story rather quickly. So (laughs) some of this is also Cha's story. So let's start back in college. In college, I developed this really, really horrible relationship to food. All of a sudden, I was reacting to all food. I could not eat, and I was sick all the time, and I was constantly in pain. And This I, is not an exaggeration. No, this is not this an exaggeration. This is not hyperbole. I could not eat. And I went to doctor after doctor, and nobody could tell me what was wrong. And I got put on this crazy strict diet. I'm saying crazy strict, like I only could eat dark green vegetables. I couldn't eat any even fruit. I couldn't have any carbs, obviously. I couldn't have any nuts. I couldn't I was basically living off of spinach and eggs and broccoli at this point. I was put on this crazy strict diet because 
We were trying to accommodate for my body being totally whacked out. I was suddenly allergic to all these foods. Things were happening to me that I could not understand, and it came out of nowhere. So I developed a fear of food, and there were weird things in my blood. I would get to go look at my blood and blood tests. There was weird things in my blood. I was freaking out. So I tried every doctor, every cleanse, every diet, every medicine, every supplement, every trip to the emergency room, and nothing worked. In college, I had kind of fallen away from myself. I wasn't talking to God. I'd lost sight of my values almost completely. I was saying things that I didn't believe. And I was afraid to say the things that I did believe. I was feeling kind of like an unanchored ship. Then I graduated from college and the whole stomach thing was happening and I was in pain and I was confused and I really wasn't sure who I was. And then one day I was laying on the bathroom floor in my parents' house after college. I went back home for a few months and I was laying on the bathroom floor. And I actually, I just remembered this recently in the last couple months, I was laying there and I said to God something along the lines of, if you fix this, AKA, if you fix me, I'll do whatever you want. And to make a long story short, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. And like, to chime in right here really quick Please. when whenever and and like the story of the fixing is is a miraculous and <laughs> in-depth story in and of itself but <laughs> once the fixing happened it seriously was a miracle it was like what yeah. like everyone who was around Michaela was like wait a minute you're eating a whole biscuit right now yeah. like, <laughs> have you lost your mind are you trying to die like, or or you know just something like sort of innocuous a pasta a noodle a right. whole noodle um nobody had seen that happen in year in like a year years. two years maybe two years yeah so it was it was really really miraculous and yeah. it felt to everyone around it felt miraculous also yeah it felt miraculous to me i'm gonna say a little bit of how it happened because this was part of my leap of faith which is the theme so i was working in ukraine that year with a company that Chacha and I founded together called Boots on the Ground Theater. We've never named it on the show. And, oh, and a humanitarian aid organization called Ezra International. And I was gathering stories from Jewish Ukrainians. This was a separately another leap of faith. I traveled to Ukraine. I was living uh, in, I stayed in refugee camps. I was living alone. I was the only American. I was trying to gather stories of these Jewish Ukrainians. I don't even have time to go into that story, but that's Cha knows that story intimately as well because at the time Cha was my boss and she was trying to make sure I wasn't gonna just die, die. <laughs> or so I would send her updates something. like I had um if you want to hear this whole story this is a shameless plug but you really should listen to the Alia audio series yeah it's completely fabulous it's on my website michaelagetz.com it's a whole story of my time in Ukraine but one time I had somebody break into my apartment and you have to imagine Chaz in America on the other side hearing like people are breaking into my apartment. My mom's on the other side. Yeah. Uh, my boyfriend, who's now my fiance, is in Italy at the time. And everyone's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Michaela's, we, nobody could help me. Yeah. So that was a- our entire church that weekend. My husband and I, our church back home, like stopped the entire service and prayed over Michaela that. I didn't know that. Uh, did I not tell you that? No. Yeah. We stopped in the middle of everything and I, cause I was freaking out. Right. And, Which makes sense. Right. And we just, like everybody prayed my pastor. Like we all did. We all like out loud group prayed everybody. And together. here I am. 
So if God's that's not a test, yes, God is miraculous because it surely wasn't me because I was traveling alone and probably being more risky than I needed to be getting these stories. And yeah, with the break in, I that was God too. 100% that was God. Long story short, you need to listen to the audio series, but I had some friends, some members of the military who were working at the embassy at the time who came and rescued me from the break-in. You got to listen to the, the whole audio yeah, series. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, so back to the food. <laughs> so that year I was traveling to Ukraine to go do this work. But before going to Ukraine, I was traveling with my boyfriend, who I said is now my fiance, flashing the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and we were traveling through Europe and I was absolutely starving. And there was nothing that I could eat without getting sick. I was living off of spinach mm. in freaking Italy. So you have to imagine I'm surrounded by pizza, pasta, brilliant food. Italy's known for brilliant food. I ate none of it. I was living off of zucchini and I would eat like a quarter of an apple, which was a risk for me at the time because I wasn't even supposed to have fruit. So I, I'm living off of spinach and I was miserable about food. I had an actual, this is a true story. I had a breakdown in the streets of Rome. I was, I was wondering if you were going to tell this story. Because I was just so hungry and I had gone to this restaurant and I could eat chicken. And in, again, almost anything I ate made me sick, but chicken wouldn't make me keel over basically. So I was looking for chicken, just chicken with like nothing on it because I couldn't even use like different oils and stuff. I mean, it was it was wild, y'all. So I was looking for chicken. I, I was so hungry and I got the chicken. I ordered it incorrectly and it was chicken fat. And I was like, I can't eat this. It's disgusting. And so I'm going back to the streets of Rome and suddenly I just collapse onto the ground and start weeping literally weeping and then I make it back with my fiance to the hostel and I turn on the song bless the lord of my soul and sit and listen to it on repeat while I sob I mean he must have thought I had actually lost my mind like this was a mental yeah, breakdown sure. that I was experiencing <laughs> and it's because I was so hungry yeah I bet and I it was a leap of faith to even travel because uh, I was worried, what am I going to eat? And before I was eating these very specific foods and so many people were saying like, hey, it might not be safe for you to go live abroad right now when you don't know what you're eating. This could be right. dangerous for you. And I felt like God say, I need to go do this work in Ukraine. So I was like, I'm going to go. So that was leap of faith number one. Then I get there and I'm starving. I'm like, what am I doing? Have I lost my mind. I'm going <laughs> to die in Europe, which in Italy wasn't as daunting as in, in Ukraine. But I was like, I thought I was going to die. So then... And that's not hyperbole. I, I really did think that some days, like I was so hungry. Yeah. So then when we were in France, still traveling, so you have to go, it's like I go complete, complete breakdown. And then I'm like having an awesome time because I'm traveling through Europe for the first time ever. We're in France. I'm starving. I was at our hotel and they had baguettes on the table. And I looked at the baguette and I swear, y'all, I swear that God said, eat that. I had not had bread seriously in years. I wasn't even eating fruit. I had had literally no sugars. And God said, eat that baguette. And I did. <laughs> and then I ate another one <laughs> and another one. And then I got a crepe and a muffin. And I ate all of the foods that I was told that I will have a reaction to. All the foods that I had been having reactions to. And I was fine. 
And now I'm crying again in the streets of Europe, but this time I'm crying because I have just eaten a baguette and I'm so happy. I'm about to cry <laughs> telling this story. Whenever I see a baguette, I get emotional because I knew for sure that God said, you got to eat that baguette. And it was just this crazy leap of faith. I said, okay, you I'm going to do it. And, it and, and, and if I get sick in Europe, I get sick. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat this baguette. Like I can't live like this anymore. I refuse to live in this kind of bondage anymore. Right, I'm not right. going to do it. And then I'm eating everything. I just go full send on this. I went to go do my work in Ukraine. And that work was very, very, very emotional for me. And it was even traumatizing. And that set me back a bit. So my fears of food started to creep in again. I was worried that if I kept being free, if I kept living like I was free, that I would die. I got all these weird illnesses. And when I say weird illnesses, I mean, I was bleeding out of everything. That's a TMI. Maybe we should cut that later, but we'll see. But it's true. I got all these weird illnesses in Ukraine. And then again, again, God said, eat. And I'm not usually one of those people that's like, God told me what shirt to wear this morning. And God bless those people. I think that is so cool that are constantly saying, well, God spoke with me. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. That's not something I say. So it was miraculous. It was like, yeah, it, it was. And I wouldn't have ever listened if I wasn't so ridiculously desperate. And I was. And that is when God works with us. And I believe that deeply. So God said again, eat. And then I got back to America and I did. I got back to America. I was introduced to, I believe, the world's greatest therapist. And he also, also, absolutely, also Chacha's therapist for a time. <laughs> and he also encouraged me to eat, which is something that no doctor had done to that point. No one. We had, none of us had had that thought. Just like, what if you just do whatever you want? <laughs> nobody had said that they were all like okay well maybe if you take this and limit this and change this and if we test this and you go to the er for this and you scan no that gluten and, no sugar yeah no well like well let's just cut everything you know. it made you hurt like cut it or like oh so you threw up cut it blah 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 cut it and this doc and then finally this therapist was like oh no you should just eat like what do you want and i'm like pizza you know <laughs> like what do i want i want eat the pizza. a cake i remember going to cha-cha's wedding when i was still sick before even going to ukraine and I took this picture of me standing next to the cake. And I remember standing next to the cake. And I almost cried. <laughs> I wanted to eat that cake so bad. It was a beautiful wedding other than yeah. that. But I took a picture next to a cake. And that was just emotionally exhausting. <laughs> so I get back to America. I meet the world's greatest therapist. I start to eat again. And I ate. I ate everything. Everything that I wanted to eat, I ate. And I was pain free. And I didn't die. And I stayed that way. And I'm still that way today. I eat everything. And actually, I was reading this um, script to my fiance. And he said, well, you don't eat everything. You're kosher. I said, okay, I eat everything other than non-kosher foods. Which, right. if you're kosher, you don't think that's food anyway. So that's right. still, I eat everything. Right. And then, just like the Israelites, if you know anything about the Israelites or the Hebrew people, I forgot what I had promised God when I was on the bathroom floor. Or if you aren't a Bible reader, you could say, I forgot to take Madame Zeroni up the mountain, like in the movie Holes. Mm -hmm. I forgot, but I was still in debt, but I forgot. So fast forward, this is where Cha becomes a bigger player in the story. Intro <laughs> Cha. Cha and I... Cha and I and my fiance, we were managing a nonprofit theater company together. Easy. Easy. It was our dream right yeah. after college. Yeah. And we had worked 
tirelessly is an understatement of the century if you've ever tried to do anything in the arts and the nonprofit sector imagine those two things at the same time right out of college we worked tirelessly at this since graduation and we were getting ready to move the company into a permanent location which is a huge move for yeah, a young company big, big step big, big step. step okay and Cha was my boss in this company so we were getting ready to move into a permanent location we were being weaved into the local art community. We're in the Orlando area, so they were starting to weave us in. We were getting invited to the meetings and the whatever. What are those things? Councils. To sit on the, the boards. boards. And the we're, that's blah. all happening. We're, we started to receive some funding for our work. Holy guacamole. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, especially in the arts. We'd expanded our team. And so by many metrics, we were successful. Yeah. This is true. For sure. We, we were successful. And then one day... Again, God said something to me. It hadn't happened since eat, since the baguette. I obviously I feel like I hear from God all the time reading through reading through the word and whatnot, but I this like direct thing that just seems to come out of nowhere that makes no sense in any other way. One day God said again that we need to disband our company. I got this thought. Yeah. And and what's even crazier is Cha got that thought. Separately, but yeah, yeah. So Cha gets this thought too. And it's like we woke up at the exact same time and we realized that we had lost ourselves. And we were sitting on my back porch and we both were like, wow, what if this dream that we, which by the way, was our identity. If people asked about yeah. us, they would be asking about the company. Yeah. It's all we did. It was our full, it was our life. Yeah. Full time. And everyone was expecting us to about to move into this space and we'd expanded. It. It's like, oh, well, this is what they're going to do. And Cha and I saw ourselves doing this until we retired with our grandchildren on our front porch, you know, and they took over the business right. <laughs> and we're sitting on there. We're like, we got to stop. We yeah. got to walk away from this. And that was horrifying. It really was. And and this is not, again, to say an, at another point in the story, this is not like hyperbole. I know this it all was, sounds like it, but it it's not. It sounds ridiculous, like a little rom-com or just like a crazy story. No, but it really, really happened. We really, it was not this nonchalant either. We both were like, holy crap, you're thinking the same thing. So am I. I feel like God's been telling me. And I was feeling weird saying it to you. And you're like, oh my gosh. You're right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, no, I've been wanting to say this to you. I've been feeling this way. I feel like God put that on my heart. But I was like, no way. He wouldn't say that. He wouldn't say that. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? That would be a crazy thing to say. Right. Um, but yeah, it really, it, it felt miraculous <laughs> at the time. It just felt so not, like it had to have been God because it was so not what either of us Because it was so not us. Right. We are, John and I are both um, pushers. Is that the right word? Like we, I don't know. It depends on We create, especially me, like we will, if we want something to be, we will muscle it, will it into existence, <laughs> yeah. even if it puts us, even out. if we're out, yeah. <laughs> that's who we are. Yeah. We're like, we will do this thing. And that's how it was about boots. And I, and my ego was in it. My identity was in it. And I was like, I will do this thing. This will be successful. You know, and anyone who said it wouldn't be successful, like I'm going to prove you wrong, basically. So then we're like, we need to disband. And we had the really terrible job of telling everyone. And at that point, our whole lives turned upside down. Our, our friends yeah. moved. Well, our and work back, changed. Right, yeah. And to back up, 
to like right before <laughs> right before two years prior to this disbanding conversation we convinced not only our friends but now my our colleagues and employees to move from some oh from, and everyone moved from 10 states away all to the orlando area yes we we said we are going to relocate the company and they did to it the and orlando they were am- and they were and continue to be amazing yeah so it wasn't like we were like we don't like y'all we don't like right. what we're doing that yeah. is what makes it so wild is that it wasn't like we were like we don't like well, this isn't successful we're failing and we don't like anybody that's not what was happening right. that's what made it a leap of faith is that what we had was good. Yeah, it was. And God said, leave it. Yeah. And it was like, it, we it, it, leave when, it. Right. Looking at it, you know, when God's, when God called us out, I, you know, I refer to it. I know you know that like he was calling us out for separate reasons, totally calling us out of it and calling us out on the water. It, we had, um, invited our friends who became our employees, seven people total to <sighs> relocate from another state to the Orlando area, we all moved here from out of state. All of us. And I, I was born here, but I wasn't living here at right. the time. Um, and they had enough faith in us at oh, yeah. the time and that's what to was, do it. So then to... So this wasn't small. Right. This wasn't like... This was a big deal. Sean, I had a club. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And in true um, last up last step fashion we have a florida monsoon right for now. you to enjoy in the background yeah so just that's just what it is right <laughs> so we told everyone and our identity was gone and everything changed that's the point that we were at we were leaving everything and and we had no idea what was next but we both felt like that was the leap that we had to take and we had no idea where we were leaping to. Zero idea. Yeah. Zero. So then, in my story, came the next leap. So I've always been conservative. But until recently, I didn't want anyone to know because I was in the arts. And the arts hate conservatives. It's a really monolithic place for any of you not familiar with the arts. And monolithic means that... They only have one acceptable way to think and live. And if you don't fall into that, it's a hard place to be. It's an exclusive place to be. And I wanted to be accepted in that community because it was my community. But then in the past few years, even the last two or three years, I've gotten reconnected with current events, something I had completely lost in college because I was deep in the collegiate bubble. I started reading American history again. I started reading the history of the Soviet Union for my time in Ukraine. I started studying the time leading up to the Holocaust. I started listening to podcasts and I listened to radio about American politics. And I was starting to feel like I had to say something because the world was getting really far off course and I was doing nothing. I hated that feeling. But what really tipped me over was I was reading Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, which I've talked about on this show before. And around that same time, I was working at a theater for teens and children. Cha and I were actually working that job together, too. You'll find that we've been joined at the hip for the past four years. <laughs> Facts. So Abigail Schreier's book, in case you haven't listened to some of my past episodes, talks about 
This is her quote, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. So it's about the phenomena of so many young girls now being diagnosed with gender dysphoria, which means you feel like you're the wrong gender. And that's typically something you see in males. But now it's spreading through girls like anorexia used to spread through spread through communities of girls. And it's leaving many women regretting the changes they made to their bodies as girls. And essentially, identification as transgender has become a new way that girls are using to escape girlhood and to escape themselves. And I was working at this teen's theater and in Abigail's book, she said that it, it travels from person to person, even though statistically that doesn't make sense for multiple people in one group to have transgender identification because that's not how it's ever, ever been. And it's very odd, but girls are communal. We, if one girl cuts her hair, the other girl cuts her hair. If one girl wears Hollister, we talked about this in an episode, the other girl wears Hollister. And that's what she was talking about. So I'm working at this theater and one young girl decides that she wants to change her name and become a boy. And then it happens to somebody else and it happens to somebody else and they're all friends and it happens to somebody else. And then one of them goes on testosterone and then we're having all of these debates and discussions. How do we handle this in the theater? They're asking me to use new names that their parents don't want me to use. And I saw all of the political things that I was reading about, all the things that I hear about on the radio happening right in front of me. And I did not know what to do. I did nothing. And I felt awful. And after that, I decided I cannot do nothing ever again. So with all of those feelings, I roped Cha into starting this show with me. (laughs) Because I wanted to reach people who are like I was in college or who I was even a year ago to say, now's the time to come back to yourself. And talking to all of you has been incredible. This show has introduced us to new places, to new people and new ideas in ways I did not see coming. Yeah. Then, a few weeks ago, a childhood hero of mine emailed me and asked me to come to Texas to interview for a job. And I got it. Out of the blue out of the blue again one of these like what is happening so i'm heading to dallas in the next month to work for mercury radio arts which is why this is my final episode with you at least for now you may see me again and i can't tell you all about this much yet but i can say that if you follow me on Facebook, which is at the Michaela Getz, because Michaela Getz was taken, the Michaela Getz is so funny, but Michaela <laughs> Getz was taken. So it's yeah. at the Michaela Getz. I'll update you as soon as I can about what I'm doing in this new position. But for this story, what you need to know is that my fiance and I are starting a whole new life in Texas. I'm leaving my home state where I was born. I'm leaving most of my family who's here in Florida within 20 minutes of me, I'm leaving Cha who I've been attached to at the hip for four plus years at this point, truly attached. We have worked together, lived together, everything, everything. 
And I have a really, really, really sweet suburban life here in Florida. I have a historic house that's beautiful that we just remodeled. I live near all of my family. We have the podcast studio in town. Every week, Chop picks me up at my house. We go get a drink. It sounds like alcohol. We go get a drink. Now, like Chop goes to Starbucks. I get a water. And we come to the studio, and it's yeah. super sweet. And it's simple, and it's beautiful. And, and now God is asking me to leave all of this for something I don't know, for something completely unknown. We don't know where we're going to live. We don't know anyone in Texas. It's a totally new job. It's with people I don't know, and it's hard. It's very, very, very hard. And God and I have been really wrestling about it because everything is changing, and I don't know what comes next. It's my next leap. So I've been thinking about leaps of faith a lot because I keep making them. And man, on the other side of a leap of faith, leaps of faith rock. But when you're about to make one, leaps of faith are like jumping into the Grand Canyon. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me, especially because Chan and I are similar in this way. I like routine. I like to control things, which is a joke because I control nothing. But if I could, that would be great. Right. I'm afraid of airplanes because I'm afraid of multiple things, fear of heights. I'm a little claustrophobic, but also I'm nervous because I couldn't fly the plane if I needed to, essentially. (laughs) That's what makes me nervous. Like, I can't control that. Like, if the plane starts to have issues, I couldn't fix it, and that just freaks me out. Like, it's outside of my control. So, these leaps are terrifying, which is why it's so interesting when I tell my story. People always think, oh, Michaela's such a, a risk taker and a jumper and a leaper, and that's who... I don't know if that's true. That people, yeah. I would say people would say you're brave. And on the inside, I'm terrified. But I do think, and yeah. I've said this before, I think in an Instagram post, I'm not on Instagram anymore, but I used to be, that you don't want to be fearless. I don't want to be fearless. I want to be courageous. And yeah. that's what it takes. And I am not fearless. In fact, I am full of fear. I think fear is yeah. my biggest vice. But I want to be courageous. I want to trust in God more than I'm afraid. I want to do what is right more than I'm afraid. And that's hard for me because also in the Enneagram test, I'm a two, which is a helper, which means I'm also a people pleaser. So a lot of the things I'm being asked to do, speaking out, working in politics professionally, these are things that are actually really hard for me. Although I do enjoy public speaking and all of these things. I mean, I I love doing this, but it's also terrifying for me. And it's got me thinking about this a lot. And one thing that I've been thinking about is something called the wilderness period. And Chan knows exactly where I'm going with this because we've been attached to the hip, as I said, for four years. But for you who don't know the story of the Hebrew people in Egypt, let me tell you a little bit about it, okay? So the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt. If you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, that's the story. They were slaves in Egypt building the pyramids and whatnot. And then God called them out of Egypt. I'm skipping a lot of details for any people who are scholars of this. They're like, well, there's a lot more in there. There's definitely a lot. Well, that was a reduction. (laughs) That's a reduction. It's going to be an extremely big reduction of the story because I don't have time to tell you the entire story. But basically, they're slaves in Egypt. The Hebrews are. God calls them out of Egypt to go to the promised land. Promises, that's where they're going. But first, they have to wander around the desert. And they're a little lost and they're a little anxious. And they relied exclusively on God because God was the only thing guiding them through the form of a pillar of fire and a pillar of clouds. So they're wandering the desert. Their only map is God. Literally, this isn't a metaphor. That's literally all they have to guide them is this pillar of clouds and this pillar of fire. 
And they had actually no choice but to follow God because they didn't know where they were because it was the desert. They had no choice. And God used that time to refine the Hebrew people, to get them ready for the promised land. And then they finally got to go in. I mean, it wasn't quite that easy, but it's a very dense story. But I think that in life, we go through very similar cycles, which is why these stories are so brilliant. But we're on a loop. It's like we're called out. We spend some time wandering. And then we go to the promised land. And then we do it again. And it's the same idea that you have to leave your comfort zone to grow. Or there's a phrase, if you want something you have never had, you have to do something you've never done, which maybe is attributed to Jefferson, but there's some debate on that. First in life, we get called out of Egypt or our comfort zone. That's the leap of faith moment. It was when I ate the baguette or when Cha and I dissolved our nonprofit. But right after the leap is actually maybe even more important. It's the time in the wilderness where you do not know what's coming but you still have to sustain the same faith that made you leap. And the Hebrews in the story, they struggled with this. They kept trying to go back to Egypt because they knew that at least. It was a devil they knew. They didn't know what was coming. And that was scary, so they wanted to go back. But like them, we have to leap and then go through the wilderness to enter the promised land. And that is the cycle of a leap of faith. The question that I... I posed today was, when do you leap? And I suppose the lesson is to leap often. And if God says go, go. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's scary, even if you don't know what you're leaping to, that's actually what makes it a leap of faith because you don't know, because you could fail. And then after you leap, keep the faith and keep going. And it doesn't have to be a grand leap. Maybe it's a new idea. Maybe it's a leap of faith to stay where you are in a world on the go. You don't have to do something extraordinary. There are leaps of faith every day. Maybe your leap of faith is telling the truth or sharing what you believe. Maybe it's breaking an addiction or stopping a toxic habit. Maybe it's doing karaoke when you want to do karaoke. Maybe it's working out again. Maybe... It's a new friend. Maybe it's studying something that challenges you. Maybe it's a new habit, a new way of looking at things. There are little leaps everywhere. And every single one is an invitation to be better. What I'm learning is that the possibility of failure is also the possibility of success. And to be even more metaphorical, the scary cave has all the treasure in it. I'm not just sitting here saying this because I think that it's easy. It's so hard. But the question that I've been asking myself, and maybe you can ask yourself is, what if this leap was designed for you and you miss it? What if there's something to learn in the harder things and the things that require faith? And you miss those. In reality, that's a much greater risk. Since this is my last episode for a while, I wanted to think of all the things that I really wanted to tell you. So I came up with a list of things that I believe, and I hope, 
will benefit you. Here they are. Rights come from God, and the government cannot take them away. When you give the government power even to do something you like, they never give it back. You have to protect the rights of people that you disagree with. Government is inefficient and bad at most things. Look for solutions elsewhere whenever possible. Don't wait for government to solve a problem that you could solve yourself. Judge the merit of each idea or each person individually. Trust, but verify. The world is good and there are good people in it. You won't look back and regret telling the truth, but you may regret withholding it. Some things are right, and some things are wrong, and it's our job to know the difference. There is no person, job, or social media mob that is worth sacrificing your values for. As it is said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. It's important that people know the truth about the great possibilities of their lives, including you. Heaven may not be here on earth for a bit, but you may as well practice how you want to live when it is here. And remember, treat everyone with kindness and never trade what looks right for what is right. Thank you, everybody. This really is our last episode for a little while, but I am not done in the conservative movement. So if you would like to follow me again, follow me on Facebook at the Michaela Getz and on Twitter at Michaela Getz. This isn't goodbye. It's just see you later. Thanks, everyone.